It is a holiday. I didn't hear a word you said because your mic wasn't on, but oh. it is a holiday for the people of New York City as they are free from the terror and the reign of a Mr. McAdoo. News that developing right now, the New York Giants have fired head coach Ben McAdoo and GM Jerry Reese. Yes, Rob Gronkowski suspended one game. A lot of news happening before this Monday. Hello to you. I tip my cap. And what were you telling me that you've never said to me before? Uh, nothing. Forget it. Mike's run on. Forget oh, it. It's just going to be all lost in the ethos, huh? <laughs> Great. Oh, man. He drank it, everybody. What? I put a few drops of Visine in there. I am going to be just spewing liquids. <laughs> uh, what is going on? Hello to everybody that is watching on Facebook. Hello to everyone that is downloading us on iTunes and however you get your podcast. The Sims and Lefka, we appreciate you. Subscribe and recommend. And this is it. Fat Riley this is has it. eaten his last eclair. Goodbye, Fat <laughs> Um <laughs> Let's just, I want to get your, let me just go through some news that was developing. There were some stories that said he'd be fired Monday, some saying he wouldn't. Uh, There was news that 25 or so ex-Giants would be wearing an Eli Manning jersey at the Dallas Cowboys game in protest. Carr, Derek Carr, after the game, did not shake Geno's hand, who actually played pretty well, but shook Eli Manning's hand. Right. Uh, And then Jack Del Rio told the Fox team that Eli Manning is the better quarterback. It's funny that it's all coming down to the decision to bench Eli. Right. McAdoo ends his tenure of Giants coach at 13 and 15. Jerry Reese ends his tenure at GM at 88 and 72. Mm. What is your reaction to the firing this Monday? I, I don't think I thought it would come during the season. I just thought the Giants might wait till after it was all said and done. But obviously, ownership wasn't happy with the way McAdoo handled everything last week in the benching of Eli Manning. So uh, there's that. And I think they just wanted to maybe get rid of the bad stigma around the or- organization right now. If you don't live in New York and you're Ugh. listening to us, you don't understand. They want to truly put him on a... What would I say? How do they do that when they tell you to line up and they shoot you? I mean, that's what the fans want to do here. Firing squad. Firing squad. Yes, that was the word I was looking for. I still believe that Ben McAdoo was the best thing to happen to the Giants at this time. Yeah. I said it to you earlier. This Eli charade would have gone on for an entire another season. Could have, yes. He would have finished this year. They would have said, oh, it was Ben Mac. It was someone's fault. And then they would have had to do another year. Right. Because Eli still wants to play. Yes. Now they're finally able to get a break from their two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback. Right. Ben McAdoo is... I said this outside, and excuse my language. It's like somebody crapped in the middle of of a messy apartment. And you walk in, and you're not worried the fact that I didn't make my bed, or I didn't put away my clothes, or my shoes are everywhere, because there's a piece of crap in the middle of the floor. Yes. And that's Ben McAdoo. That's Ben McApoo. That's Fat Riley, right in the middle. Um, To get serious, though, the next question is, as one of our writers came in and immediately said, hey, Sims, who's the next coach of the Giant? Giants, you have five possible names. Yeah. How confident are you in these? Uh, I mean, I have no inside info or gotcha. anything. That's what I wanted you yeah, to explain. Yeah, I'm just going with – I'm going to go with guys that I think fit what the Giants' mantra is and really coaches that I was around in my career that I really thought a lot of and I think are definite you know, head coach material type of coaches. So let's go with your number one contender, a guy yes. that we've been saying for weeks, yes. the man, the myth, the legend, McDaniels. Yes, Josh McDaniels would be the number one pick uh, in my mind. I mean, first of all, I have tremendous faith in Josh McDaniels. I mean, he's a mini Bill Belichick. The Giants, of course, with their relationship with Bill Belichick, it would make a lot of sense. He's one of the best offensive minds in the game. We know that. Uh, I played for him in the uh, with the Broncos in 09 
I'm not only just impressed with his overall scope and knowledge of the game, uh, he understands offense, defense, special teams. Of course, he's good at scouting, all those things you have to do in New England. And, of course, he's been there under Bill Belichick. And I know people out there are going to go, oh, well, it didn't work in Denver. There was a lot of issues in Denver. It wasn't just all Josh McDaniels. And sometimes you learn from your mistakes. I'd be curious to see what quarterback McDaniels gets to to kind of groom there. Next one is a guy that has turned it around completely, especially in your mind this season, Yes. See out in Minnesota. Yes, Pat Shermer. I think he is a guy that's certainly going to be at the top of a lot of lists with when these jobs do come open. He's done a great job. Uh, I think really the big thing that jumps out to me is really has expanded his offense since the days of when he was the Rams OC in 09 and 10 and was the head coach with the Browns. Uh, been really impressed with everything they do offensively this year and their run game design, everything like that. Another guy I just look at and go, hopefully he learned from his mistakes. Right. First time around, but been super impressed with his game plans and scheme on a week to week basis. And he gets along really well with young quarterbacks. Yes, certainly. Something in his track record. Right. Next one is a guy that you've known for a long time. Yeah. And typically, special teams coaches don't get mentioned right away. No, they don't. But I'm going to go with this guy because I think he's one of the best coaches I was ever around in my career. And that's Rich Passaccia, special teams coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they've been very good on special teams through his era there. They were good when he was, when we, he was with the Tampa and uh, John Gruden. He was the special teams coach down there with me as well. But I just think a lot of – I think special teams coaches are a little bit more knowledgeable of the complete football game than maybe people give them credit for. They deal with – players from both sides exactly of the ball. Exactly right. They know how to manage the game usually because they're thinking as a special team, yes. kick the field goal here, punt it, let's pin them down, whatever it may be. What's happened to that art in football? It's kind of gone away. And two good head coaches in Belichick and Harbaugh were special teams now, coaches. I always thought Belichick was a secondary coach. No, he, went, That's actually he graduated saving. after that. He was though. a special teams coach. Yes. The guy in Kansas City gets a lot of love all the time. There's yep. a number of special teams. Dave Phipp, the guy for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sure. These guys are all bubbling up. Yes. And there's nowhere to go. They know how to motivate, yeah. and they know how to manage a football game, which is very important. You've said McDaniels, yes. and that's the likely Patriots coordinator, right. but the other one is unlikely, but you still got to put him on the list. I'm going to put him on the list because, I, I again, I just think so much of the New England coaching staff. I mean, they're, they're not the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL just because they twiddle their thumbs all day. It's because they outwork everybody. They, uh, they understand the full compass of the NFL game. And Patricia, again, I worked up in New England. Yes, I was, you know, kind of the the so-called do-it boy for the offensive side of the ball and worked for Josh McDaniels. But Matt Patricia, the work ethic, I've never seen a coach that spends more time in the office than Matt Patricia. Everything he does. But again, I mean, here's a guy that's, how many times do they change pieces and parts on that, that Patriots defense year after year after year, and they still make it work? Oh, they're struggling earlier yeah. this year. And I know Bill Belichick's there as well, but Matt Patricia is a phenomenal football coach and knows how to coach the defensive side of the football and understands, again, unlike most defensive coaches, understands what a good offense is. Right. Too many times defensive coaches just see the game through the defensive side of the ball and don't appreciate an offense that has a lot of creativity and knows how to attack them. Lucas Trasinski filling it in. Dave Taub is the name of yeah, the guy Taub, I was missing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then Joseph Navarro asking, Chris, you wouldn't want to be coach? Uh, I certainly would. Um, yes, sign me up. <laughs> Put me on the list. And the last one is a division rival, though, Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. Yeah, Jim Jim Schwartz. Uh, and as I'm sitting here, I'm going, man, Patricia, Schwartz, McDaniel, 
McDaniels, all from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Is that a little scary? Uh, it, it's not to me. I, okay. I mean, it, it isn't. I understand that the success rate of Bill Belichick coaches going to coach somewhere else hasn't been maybe as good as you would think as a whole, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily just on the coaches themselves. A little bit's just been the, some of the jobs they've taken and the scenarios they've been put in. Uh, but Schwartz, again, I think another guy that you look at, yeah, he had a job once before the Detroit Lions. It didn't go bad there, but it didn't go as bad as you would have liked. I mean, as good as you would have liked it. But there's a, a guy that I certainly look at, and I was on the Tennessee Titans team in 08 and then 2010, where he was the defensive coordinator, that I just thought a lot of. I, I just think his day to day approach, understanding offenses, coaching his defense, the way his team plays for him in Philadelphia, you can tell they play boss to the wall. Uh, there's a lot to respect about Jim Schwartz. And I think, you know, the guys that had the prior jobs. Just in my knowing them and being around them, they're smart enough to not be stubborn. They recognize their flaws the first time mm. around, and I think they will all adjust uh, adjust those accordingly if they do get another job. Those are the five real options for the New York Giants now that they have let go of Ben McAdoo. So those are your five. Yeah, those are my five. Uh, guess Any other what? rumors out there? Yeah. Yeah? So those were the five realistic options for the New York Giants, and now... Adam Lefko's five top coaches for the Giants for utter destruction. That's right. These are the five coaches that I would like the Giants to hire as an Eagles fan. And just watch that franchise burn to the Big Apple ground. First up, I coordinated with the new GM. Jerry Reese is out. The new GM, Tiki Barber. Because nobody knows what Giants fans want more than good old Tiki Barber. So we talked about it. Honorable mention, three names that almost made the cut. First up, Rex Ryan. Giants have a pension of taken from the Jets recently. Pair up Gino, little Rex, get a little action going. Number two, Lane Kiffin. These are honorable mentions. I just think Lane in the big city would be a blowout good time. And the last honorable mention is Dave Campo. Right. (laughs) Dave Campo. Number five, I'm going to go with Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Why? Because Giants fans would kill for eight and eight right now. They would absolutely bowl over for seven and nine. Jeff Fisher's available. Hey, New York, give him a call. Number four, they got a little timid. They need someone to excite them, to show them the Giants' way. Who better than Lawrence Taylor? Oh, gosh. Give Lawrence Taylor the clipboard and let him just go off. We'll have fun. They'll have fun, I'll tell you that. Him and Odell Beckham Jr., you thought you saw a boat ride to Miami the first time. You have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what you've seen yet. <laughs> Number three for Lefko's dream top five coaches for those New York football giants. Number three, rehire Ben McAdoo. <laughs> hey, baby, let me tell you something. You let him go away, you sit, you think about it, go, Wow. There was that one season where Eli loved him. Let's bring back Ben McAdoo. Number two coaches that Lefko would like for the Giants, Phil Jackson. Oh, good old Phil. Look, it the triangle. It didn't work out for the Knicks, but that was because he was GM. Let's bring Phil back to coaching. Odell, Eli, he can mold those personalities together. Yep. You Eli, can, Eli, triangle. You can bring your posse. And the number one guy. What I'm realizing right now is that there is an undying love for Eli Manning. And who better to work with Eli Manning than someone that isn't just going to be the coach, but they're also going to be the GM. You know who I'm talking about? No. He's also going to be the quarterback. It's Eli Manning. Let Eli (laughs) do quarterback, coach, and GM. Yes. Change the name to the New York Eli Mannings. Right. And we're good. And those are... 
my guys that I would love to see coach. I'm sure you would. The New York Giants. Yep. If we can get Rich Kotite in there, I was going to say, where's Rich Kotite? You didn't <laughs> want to put him on the list? Um, all right. So for me, making fun of the Giants, I need this because I need to take my mind off of what I experienced last night, which is the Eagles lost to the Seahawks. Yes. Um, I actually came away as an Eagles fan. And it's funny. This is a very staple show. We have this all the time. Right. McAdoo being fired is something we've been talking about for years. Yep. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, we're going to get to Rodgers, apparently coming back later. But I watched that game, and I it was funny. I actually felt calm afterwards. I went, I have watched so many Eagles teams over the years be truly not as good as their record indicated. Right. I've watched overinflated Eagles teams get run on and not be able to run the ball, not really be able to put an offense, kind of relying on penalties and turnovers. And then when it got to the playoffs, they folded like a stack of cards. Last night, I watched and went, the Eagles are the better team. Yes. The Eagles are generating a ton of pressure on Russell Wilson mm-hmm. with just the front four. Yeah. Carson Wentz had arguably his worst game that I've ever seen. He yep. missed wide open Nelson Aguilar twice. He did. One was underthrown, and the other one he just completely missed. Right. They established the run in the first half and then never capitalized on it. Right. But there was a few things. I actually think the Eagles are going to be fine. I think the Eagles, I think they needed that. I'd rather they lose to the Seahawks than to the Rams. The Rams game means more. And I think every team, when you're on that run, you're going to experience a letdown eventually. And the Seahawks on the road is a good team to experience it to. That's just kind of the feeling that I had. There was a few things, though, that legitimately upset me. One. How many times have we said that Russell Wilson's weapons aren't that good, and why would you give him 50-50 opportunities by playing man-to-man? Right. That blitz, that all-out blitz that led to the touchdown to Doug Baldwin, was truly Jim Schwartz in my mind going, my head coach Doug Peterson's playing it tight, I'm going to play it loose, I'm going to win this game. Right. It was unnecessary. They also did it on the pass interference that got them down to the five-yard line. Same play, same defense. And those are part of my long-term issues. Number one, I am worried that Ronald Darby will commit a very crucial pass interference penalty in a very big playoff game. Well, listen, His playing style lends to that. Well, if you call those defenses, I don't care who you bring back prime time. He's going to get P.I. too, okay? I don't care. Oh, you know. You're making all good points. I mean, yeah. but, but what I want to say is, yeah. He's being put in that position. Yeah, That's I don't understand thing. some of the play calling by Schwartz in some of yes. the situations. The Seahawks got close to middle field. I mean, midfield. I'm just going to make it, make it clear what they did. Get close to midfield, are in some obvious passing situations on third down, and Schwartz decides to blitz everybody, what I'm, we call uh, all-out blitz. No safety in the middle of the field, just four one-on-one matchups. And the last time I checked, if there's one quarterback in football to buy a little extra time and wait for a receiver to get open, it's number three with the Seahawks. So why why would you do that? It's literally incredible. Yes. The Wentz fumble was huge. Another thing, though, that I'm worried about long-term, I realized the last few weeks the Eagles didn't play any great pass rushers. Right. And what I saw out of Vitae, he's, he, I still think he's a good player. Yeah. But he faced the St- Seahawks. Yep. If he's facing Everson Griffin or uh, Aaron Donald right. or um, Rams, Vikings, Saints, Cam Jordan. Sure. It might be an issue. That's just something I'm looking at long term because Wentz didn't have time. And the last thing was Peterson under pressure. Right. He hasn't had a lot of practice this year dealing with game situation. And I thought it really showed itself last night. Right. I thought the clock management was a little iffy, not throwing out the challenge on a huge swinging play. I'm a firm believer that if there's a play in which a lot of momentum comes with it, what are you saving the timeout for? 
Well, that was a third nine, and it was a forward pass that was down the field. It was an exactly. illegal forward pass. But it was, hard. it was hard watching it in, in real time. Though. I called it. You did call it? Yeah, I watched it, and I went. It, it, I it didn't was call it in real time. I thought it was close, but when it happened in real time, I was like, ooh, I think it still went backwards, but, but it's I mean, an they optical the illusion. They right. see the replay yes, in the they booth, do. Yes. so I don't know. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, I have the same thoughts as you. Uh, I, I'm not discouraged at all. In fact, I don't really think anything differently about either team. Uh, I'll say this, just for the Philadelphia Eagles standpoint. You said it. It was Wentz's worst game, uh, and there they were, first drive of the second half at the one-yard line, going to make the game 10-10, to and they were semi-outplayed to that point, and there was going to be a tie football game. You talked about the lateral. You talked about, I mean, the few bad calls, I thought, on your defense, uh, just penalty-wise. And the other thing I'll say that I think is just good for you guys, a loss at this time of the year, the way you've been steamrolling people lately – this will get you guys back to the drawing board, button up a few things that maybe slip, you know, slip by when you're beating teams 38 to 10 or whatever else. Yeah, they like fumbled four times against Chicago. Yes. But we didn't talk about no, it because they won 31 matter. to 3. Exactly right. So it's going to get things buttoned up again. And th- this will be the last thing I'll say. Whether you guys, if you guys have to go on the road and maybe play a Minnesota in the NFC Championship game or end up back in Seattle, yeah. this is going to be great help for your left tackle, for one. Yes. On the road, having to deal with great pass rushers, they'll learn from that. Two, if you guys do have to see the Seattle Seahawks again, the best Mm. thing is you've seen Russell Wilson now. I don't give a shit who the hell you got running your scout team practice uh, offense. It doesn't matter. He can't emulate what number three on Seattle does. So to have that to experience to go, oh, okay, this time we'll tweak it a little bit. We won't rush as hard. We'll stay yeah. in our lanes. Little things like that I do think could help your team. Uh, and Ish Garden says, but if they lose next week, well, if they lose next week, now it's an issue. Yeah, well, Because yes. you're not bouncing back. Right. Uh, I just want to end it with that Carson Wentz throw where it looked like he was falling down yeah. and then corkscrewed his body mm-hmm. without setting his feet right. and threw it 45 to 50 yards in the air over the outstretched arms of Byron Maxwell right. is, in my mind, one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life, just from a strictly physical ability yeah. standpoint. Yeah, it was an amazing throw. It certainly was. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go best throw of my life. Uh, You've seen a lot more throws I've than me. Said, but yes, but it's still. It's not better than the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary. Well, it's the, not even near that. But still, no, no. The way he was falling and to be able to get that much on the football as he's going to his right and falling to his Ugh. right, and then, like you said, throw it basically 50 yards down the field. He's a special specimen. I, I will say this, though. This is the worst he threw the football all year yes. long. I mean, you could just tell um, with the quality of the ball in general, just they were a little wobble. Even the nice little touchdown pass he had to Aguilar where he ran up in the pocket and just flicked it with his wrist. Didn't come out of his hand clean pretty much for the most of the night. Two quick questions. One, Alshon Jeffrey was extended four years, $52 million, about 13 per, which puts him around seven or eight with the T.Y. Hiltons. Too much? I, I think it's a hair too much. Because I know you don't think he's a one. No, I don't. I think it's a hair too much, but regardless, they like him. There's something there with him. And they for a guy like that, and, and that, that go, there's something to say about that. That's the going rate for good receivers. Yes. And, you know, Wentz is a good combination for Alshon Jeffrey. So, where Wentz, he's not afraid to throw the ball to you if you're covered. He'll throw back shoulders and, and, and Alshon's throw it up a guy to you. that can catch it. No cover. doubt. Yes. Other thing is, is, did the Seahawks prove anything to you 
we you have not been a fan of the Seahawks all year. Did they? I know they got a lot of bounces, but do you have any more confidence in them after that win? I, I don't. The only thing I'll say to to me, and you, you might not like to hear this, but I mean, r- last night pretty much I, I think made me go that Russell Wilson's the MVP in the NFL right now. And and I'm no disrespect to Carson Wentz or Tom Brady, but I just think what we've seen out of Russell Wilson for like the last six weeks <sighs> is just mind boggling. I mean, it's there's just there's no help. It's him doing it himself. And even last night, even though it wasn't amazing stat-wise and all that, it was still him doing it himself. I mean, it really was. 20 for 31, 227, three TDs. He's just uh, he's one of those guys right now that's it, he's in the zone. He is truly unstoppable, like Rodgers in his prime, like a Brady in his prime, whatever it may be. There's just no defense that's going to be able to completely yeah. stop him. And also, you know, look, sh- shout out to Griffin. Shout out to those corners. Byron yeah. Maxwell played well. Mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner is an absolute freak. Yes, he and is. And you said before we started recording that yeah. he could be Defensive Player of the Year yeah. and might be the, re- the guy to get it. I think he's certainly in that conversation. I think it's one of the best years I've seen him have. Out of all the people, the stars of the Legion of Boom, right? Like, Chancellor and Earl Thomas and Sherman. I know they're hurt, but Bennett to go along with that. Who else are we missing? Uh, the other KJ Wright. Yeah. To me, Wagner is still playing at the highest level of all those guys, even when they were healthy. Like Wagner's still in the discussion right. for best at his position, where yeah. those other guys are no longer in that discussion. My girlfriend walked in last night. It was like in the second half, and Russell Wilson was on the screen. She goes, yeah. "Your favorite player," and I went, "That's." That's who you think? She goes, oh, yeah, you talk about him all the time. You love him. And I went, Russell Wilson is my favorite player. He is. He's been that way, honestly, for a year. I'm telling you, man, when I talk about Russell Wilson, I'm in awe. Yeah. Because he has no help. His offensive linemen, even when they play well, they don't know what to do. Why does he not get... Like the street cred of the public because respect the way he like talks. people want to def- yeah go ahead is that why I it think is? It, I think it's because people think he's a nerd well I think it's a few things yeah. if we're gonna get into pop culture right I think that um, look I just watch- I think people defend Dak Prescott harder than they defend Russell Wilson Russell Wilson for the longest time reports were coming out of Seattle that he was the company man right and that you had all these badass dudes on the defense yeah. and he was the soft offensive guy that was saying God 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 and right. you know that those guys in the NFL are called God squatters and they're not seen as as tough as everybody mm-hmm. else the Sierra thing I think impacted it as well huh. because she was with future a rapper that is very famous right. and was very popular. If you remember, they went to Atlanta. They played Future. They were in Carolina. Right. He was dapping up Cam Newton. Right. And so when you're on the other side of that, even though you're helping raise the man's children, yeah. you're seen as the opposite of Future. Yeah. And he's been painted as this corny guy that believes that liquid frees his brain and was abstinent with his wife before they got married. These are not things that are cool in our society. No. And I think all all of those things combined with the fact that he he's just like, hi guys, I'm Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah, it's just amazing to me because I feel like people here in New York defend Eli Manning and Dak Prescott in Dallas harder than Seattle or some people defend Russell Wilson. And I just want to go, man, Russell Wilson's on another planet than some of these other guys that people defend. I think uh, the last thing, and then we need to move on because yeah. we're going too long on this, is uh, the defense was the team. 
Right. And they didn't want to give credit to anybody else. That's yeah. why it's hard to give credit to Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Legion of Boom, Legion of Boom. Michael, it took us this long to talk about Michael Bennett. I know. Yeah. Uh, your top five, boy, don't boy. compared to everybody else's, right. you didn't have to make any edits this I week. I did not. Because everyone else probably moved the Eagles down. This is your same top five as last week. Yep. Patriots week before, one, Eagles two, Vikings three, Rams four, Steelers five. Still got the Eagles over the Vikings, Rams, Steelers, and the Saints are six. Yes. Still got the Eagles. Yes, I still got the Eagles. I, I, like I said, this is ge- it's not a game of perfection. Okay, it just it's not. There's going to be mistakes along the way. Ball bounces the wrong way. Whatever it may be, that was one of those nights last night for the Philadelphia Eagles. I still think they're a better football team than yes. the Saints or the Vikings. Yes, I do. Um, the, the the interesting thing one that I'll have you know of course we're doing this on a Monday tonight the Pittsburgh Steelers oh, baby. how they play in that game because it, this you know, is a tricky game for them it is I picked the Bengals we both picked the Bengals I think on with the, the spread, spread yeah five and a half I just I think the Bengals match up really well I looked back Antonio Brown for the last five times he's faced the Bengals he's had less sixty five yards receiving or less well, yeah I believe it that because they is... have long athletes yes. this is the Chris Sims theory long athletic corners are an issue for Antonio Brown right so it could be a big juju game yep. and then of course Le'Veon Bell faces his arch nemesis yeah that's Fontes right perfect no doubt their defense and is they're real. not afraid no they're not their defense is real the big thing to watch in this game tonight I mean if we're going to preview it real quick it's just can Cincinnati you know consistently drive the football they haven't been able to run it right. they rely on just one big pass play here and there to and really move no the Joe offense Hayden, no so AJ Green might no, have a this big could game. be the AJ you're right I mean these are the kind of games that I worry about Pittsburgh's defense AJ Green catching a slant running for 60 I mean, whatever it Rashard may be Matthews and Randall Cobb can do it right AJ Green could do it but if they lose I will be moving the Saints to five and probably the Steelers to six very nice so when it comes to betting, I don't know if you guys saw. Lefko locks were three and one. I've tabulated. Guess how I did this week in against the spread out of fourteen games. Oh, out of fourteen games, twelve and two. Eleven and three. Pretty good. Holy shit. Yeah. But you know where you put most of your money? Right. I put a lot of my money there to the Patriots. Let's see how Sims' prediction did with the New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if you heard me the last time, so I'm going to say it with a little more, ugh. This is when you bet on the Patriots and you make all of your money. Put up the number. I'm going $300 on the Patriots. Why? Because they're the freaking Patriots. What about the Bills makes you think that this game is going to be within eight and a half points? Oh! <laughs> Bye, 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 bye. Yes. What are you thinking? Why didn't you go 900? I should have. Because I. What? Because eight and I, a half on I the play this game a certain way, and you play. I couldn't believe it was eight and a half. What? what? Yeah. And man, they, they proved it right. Yes, they did. It was. I've seen this script so many times. They drive down the bills, and then he gets bumped Tyrod Taylor and throws the pick. And right when that happened, I, a sense of calm came over. You're right. You knew it was over. I knew right it was there. over. Yeah. I knew it was over. The big talking point today, though. Gronk suspended one game, diving into the back of the neck of, Trida- tr- back of, the neck of Tredavious White. Uh, the dildo on the field wasn't the number no, one thing? No, it, it wasn't the one like last year. Last uh, year's dildo had a face on it. It was uh, like a big really? thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what now, if there was a prop bet, I'm taking the over on dildos for next, next year. year's game. <laughs> and, oh, it's coming. Three in a row. Um, but I, I think Gronk blacked out. I think Gronk was so fed up with getting hit all the time, and he is referee different. Yeah. He is the Shaquille O'Neal of NFL receivers. Sure. But he blacked out. 
he dove. And the reason I say that, they showed a clip of him walking away, and it looked like he was cursing himself out. He was like, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. And he apologized to Media Belichick, right. but it was a dirty, dirty play. Dirty play. Really scary. Deserves to be suspended. No doubt about that. I mean, that that can, you know, you not only did he concuss Stradavius, right? I mean, he could have broke his collarbone. Oh. There's a lot of things he could have done to him there. Yeah, he so, broke his neck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, it, I don't understand it. I mean, I understand, yes, like you said. I mean, he gets pushed around and held a little bit, certainly. Uh, hey, he pushes off too, is but he was having game a phenomenal enough? day. Yeah, I think one game is enough. Okay, I do. Um, I thought they might go two and then just let him win the appeal and cut it down to one. Yeah, but I think this is going to be a hard one. I, I think you have to suspend him here. Uh, and really, Bill Belichick's the type too that he's going to call him out in this me- meeting today. He's yes. going to he's going to let him know that that's you mean like in front of the team. Yeah, he is. He's probably going to show the play and be like, hey, "This is some hairy high school bullcrap right here, Rob. We, we're, we're above this. Don't do this." Yes. Uh, There's yeah. two things where this impacts money. Right. Number one, he had a lot of stipulations in his contract right, to access that. like another five and a half million, and I don't think he's going to hit the necessary amount of snaps because of this. Right. Number two. Do you know what this week is? Do this? you know what this week is? Week 14. Week 14. This is, is the first else? week right. of fantasy playoffs. Oh, my God. What? I'm telling you right now, our camera operator, Gabe Gomez, you know who he's got on his fantasy team in that tight end slot? Gronkles. Yes. Sorry. Gronk has disappointed Fantasy Nation. Oh, gosh. I'm happy that Tredavious White early reports that he's okay. Yeah. And I believe he went into concussion protocol. Right. But that was, to me, classless. The other thing, uh, McDaniels, Tom Brady, getting yelling at each other. And everyone at Bleach Report was like, I can't believe, I hope everything's okay. And you were like, this is what good teams do. Yes, it is. You know, Google my father getting yelled at by Bill Parcells, okay? I mean, it was a weekly event. Um it's why I love New England because there's just no BS. Oh, Tom, what? I don't really care who you are. He was open. You read Josh's uh, lips. He was wide open. Tom probably didn't want to hear it. He told him to fuck off and then went off on him. Yeah. But it's in the heat of the moment. It's emotions. They're both trying to win. They have a great relationship. Yes. And I have no doubt that that's not going to carry over. That was no. talked about as soon as they got in the locker room or when the game was in hand on the sidelines. That is a very close relationship. Josh is a man's man. He can handle Tom Brady saying a few four-letter words at him. And uh, Brady certainly can handle it, too. I just want to say that uh, to people that were upset by that, I have a belief in my life that the people that I argue with the Are most— Are people upset about it? Uh, I know. I just think it caught them off guard. Yeah. The people that I care about the most and I respect the most, yeah. I can legitimately argue with. Yeah, right. Producer Josh. Sure. Me and him go at it. Oh my gosh. Like you have seen grandmas. us. Yeah. And then right afterwards, we look at each other right. and I'll go, you were right. Yeah. And I'll go, okay. And then we're done. You're right. But I can only talk like that to people that I know, A, know what they're talking about, right. and B, have empathy to know what I'm talking about. I hear you. And have long-term views. You're right. That's what happens with close relationships. Nobody sees the worst side of Chris Sims more than his wife. And then really, like, you and Canvasser. Yeah. You and Canvasser have to deal with my, my diva bullshit sometimes when I come in cranky and grumpy. I mean, he came in yesterday, and you would have thought we were making him watch it in a bunker underneath the ocean. And meanwhile, <laughs> there were couches and seven televisions. <laughs> that's what work wives have to go through. That is what uh, The only other thing is, I, thought I, I enjoyed the fact that Odell came out and said, oh, so Tom Brady gets to yell, and that's okay, but when I yell, it's not okay. Yeah. We've been saying that for two years, yeah, too. There, there's a there's definitely a double standard out there with certain guys. I don't understand that. Tom Brady yells, and they go, what a leader. Odell yells, and they go, cry baby, selfish prick. Yeah. 
I, I know. I don't know. I know. I don't get it either. I don't even know what to Des say Des yells. Des yells. Yeah, he, maybe he's trying to have accountability. Yeah. I know. I don't know. I know. Well, we've talked about this too. Like even with like Cam Newton, who gives a ball away and do, and does a little Superman thing, and then Brady scores a touchdown on a quarterback sneak and yells like "f you" to the crowd and everything, and people think that's cool. But to, you know, Cam Newton's the one that's not classy. And I, I, I'm not trying to like paint yeah, Brady as the bad guy. I'm no, just, no, no, no. Because that's the Brady does the, sh- the shit I'd do as a quarterback. I would be the one if I was Tom Brady to run out of the tunnel and like go yell. Let's yeah, go! I would be that. That would be the, my my way. Uh, the only one thing I want to say is we looked into it yesterday since the Patriots have begun this winning streak since week five which was that Thursday night in Tampa Bay in which I lost like 800 on that Thursday night game Um, the Patriots are the number one scoring defense in the NFL we kind of were wondering it during the game we had wheels and canvasser look into it they've allowed less points per game than the Jaguars less points per game than the Eagles less points per game than the Ravens the freaking Patriots y'all were worried about the defense and the secondary has been stellar. Yes. Shout out to Gilmore. Shout out to Butler. Yeah. They've been great. They have been great. Uh, it is now time for some farewells, Sims. Oh. It's Monday. So I need to say to farewell to some people that will no longer be with us. First one up, Sims. Farewell to the Bears. Eliminated from playoff contention. Bye-bye, Bears. Bye-bye, See you next Bears. year. Farewell to losing seasons for Paul Puzlesny. Why? It's the first time in 11 years he's going to be on a team that finishes 500 or more. Goodbye, losing. Good for you, Paul. We're so happy. Got to say farewell to the to the Silverdome. Bye-bye, Silverdome. I guess. I don't want to be the guy that has to go in there and put more dynamite. Can you imagine? That's the funniest <laughs> It might thing. fall because the vine. <laughs> they tried to blow up the stadium. It didn't happen. And then they're going to send somebody back in there to plant more? I know. I'm not going in there for shit. Can't they just shoot a missile at it at this point and just hope it falls down? I just mean, what blow do you do? on it? Yeah. Just get like the entire city of Detroit to go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's scary, man. You're going to have to pay me some extra dollars to Dude, go in there and be you walk the in dynamite. there and it's like. You're like, oh, oh shit. Oh, my gosh. I'm out. All right, music. Farewell to Rams losing seasons. Oh, goodbye. Jeff Fisher is gone, and all of a sudden, the Rams will have their first winning season since 2003. I'd like to say farewell to Ohio State's chance at a national championship. Oh, bye-bye, Ohio State. Yeah, Sorry. What do, you, what do you think? I actually think they got the, the four right. I do, too. I do, too, yeah. I mean, and you know, I really love Urban Meyer, and I love when he beats Jim Harbaugh, so I'm always rooting for them in that matchup. Detroit, I mean, Ohio State has died for the sins of everyone asking for a six or eight team playoffs. right. They are a big enough school with enough big names in media and a large enough fan base to rile them up to hopefully push it to the six or eight that it deserves. Eight makes too much sense. Give us more football. Stop it. please. Go to 12. Just do the NFL thing. And and Ohio State, look on. The way they lost to Iowa at Iowa, you can't put them in. All right, keep it going. I'd like to say farewell to uh, Andy Reid's play-calling duties. All of a sudden, Matt Nagy took over, and they put up 31 points, and Alex Smith looked incredible. Offensive explosion. I'd also like to say farewell to Marcus Peters, who, I guess convinced us that he was ejected, but he wasn't actually ejected, and he went into the locker room and came back out in socks. But mazel tov to the crowd. You're right. You know why? Because farewell to the perception that Jewish men aren't athletes. <laughs> Did you see the cats from those little Jews in the stadium? Oh my gosh, waving uh, around the flag like they were Herschel Walker. Gosh. L'chaim, L'chaim. Mazel tov. Oy vey. Good oy, catch. Oy vey, good catch. <laughs> Did you know that good catch is oy vey in Hebrew? You're not tricking me. I'm not. <laughs> And last, farewell 
to Matt Ryan's streak of 30 games with a touchdown pass. Oh. It all came to an end at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. Bye-bye. And those were your farewells for week Where's Kyle 13. Shanahan? Thank you, Nikki G. You are the man. Nikki G, by the way, the creator of the name Fat Riley. I guess it's yes. also farewell. Farewell to the name Fat Riley. Farewell. When are we going to use it again? Does that Is that me, or do they play that music we just had on on the ninth hole of the Masters every year? Play it again. <laughs> play it again. And this are the blooming azaleas. The, the leaderboard. Master. The leaderboard. Mickelson. <laughs> Brought to you by Menon. Um, okay, that's good. Uh, also, I want to say that we have a new nickname. Right. As Fat Riley has perished, we have a new nickname that has come from the depths of our minds. This one compliment of Max Wheeler, our own little wheels. What up, wheels? Jimmy Garoppolo. Do yep. you know what his nickname is for him? And I love it. Joe Montaner. <laughs> Montaner? Montaner, because he's tan as fuck. Joe Montaner. Because <laughs> that dude has been baking on Venice Beach, and he went up to the coast by the bay. Joe Montaner. Man. Uh, he, he looked... It, it was nice to see the Niners with a quarterback. It, that, that's really what I was exactly what I was going to say. It just... You know, and again, I'm not sitting here trying to bag on CG Beathard, but you just realize that. Or CJ. CJ Beathard. Uh, just how. CG's his cousin. Hey. Uh, but just how, you know, listen, I, I don't think CJ Beathard is a starting NFL quarterback. No. I think plain and simple. So to see that offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quick release, some of the throws he made in the tight windows, it was nice to watch. And, and they got something to build on there. Diego Mendez challenging our Patriots scoring thing, saying, well, they played Tampa, the Jets, Atlanta, Chargers, Denver, Oakland, Miami, and Buffalo. I would be the number one scoring defense. Only thing I'll say to that is Atlanta, and the, Chargers. the Chargers, and even Oakland. I mean, Oakland was looking at, they did have Cooper and Crabtree, but yeah. you still got to go out there and no, shut yeah, them down. Yeah, but your his point's valid. You're of right. Course. It's not the greatest. Uh, he hasn't played the greatest offense. Diago, Diago is a uh, longtime listener, first time caller. I like him a lot. Uh, okay, so a lot of people were calling me out, speaking of Matt Ryan's streak ending, about being an Atlanta hater. Right. And I'm curious. People have been saying that, uh, oh, Matt Ryan. Uh, like we said that Matt Ryan didn't have had problems with uh, Kyle Shanahan, and they said I can't find articles of this anywhere that we come unnecessarily at the Falcons all the time. They put up nine points against the Vikings. Why do you think we dislike the Falcons so much in other people's minds? I, because I guess we just don't jump on the bandwagon. I don't really understand. We are either. harder on them than other teams. Well, we've been hard on them only because we didn't expect them to have a great year like they did last year. So we tried to drive that point home to the people, and they didn't want to hear it. And, you know, hey, listen, we're wrong a lot, but we were right about this one, plain and simple. And, you know, drink the, 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 <laughs> the issues with Matt Ryan, I mean – I don't know if there was issues between him or Kyle Shanahan, but there was definitely pushback with Matt Ryan when Kyle Shanahan first got there and dealing with the offense. Right, I, he I, was, I remember there was a quote that was like, we've had a lot of success doing it our way for a long time. Yeah, and there was things like that. Everything. Right, right. There right. was little things like that. Or, or how about the fact that he called out Kyle as he left town and said he wasn't getting the play clock, plays in the Super, in the Super Bowl, Bowl until 16 seconds, which was not true. Boldface, like they were calling back. the snap right. with 16 right. seconds. Right, exactly right. Yeah, I think the issue has been – I. I actually like the Falcons. I think that they're a team that's a very dangerous playoff team if right. they can get it going. But I look at this team much like I looked at the Raiders and the Cowboys. Those were our three teams that we expected to have a down year and surprise surprise they've been that yeah. way because we found their performance last year to be very hard to replicate. Right. And I look at this Falcons team and I just I don't see it all the time. They rely on the big plays. Right. And if they don't break that tackle, 
special if Tevin Coleman's not going 60 yards down the field. Or last year it was, what's his name, Deep? Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. Taylor right. Gabriel. They don't have that dimension no, right now. No, they don't. Uh, Vikings, though. Yeah. If they get home field advantage, which they have right now, mm-hmm. and they win the divisional game and they win the championship game, we have the vaunted home field advantage in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Vikings are for real. And more importantly, they're a team that can match up against the Patriots. That's what I'm looking at. I, I, I you know, they have the front four. They have good. They they have such a good. They defense. have good everything. Right? They have a good line. And they can run the ball yes. on offense, so they can keep Brady off the field. That's the way I look at. It. Listen, I'm a fan first, so I want the best teams to make the playoffs, so we have the best playoffs to watch, and then quite possibly the best Super Bowl. Yes. Like I get scared of the New Orleans Saints versus. Tom Brady and the Patriots. Because he could pick that defense apart. He could apart. pick them apart, I think. Right. Now, maybe I think Brady Atlanta's a better too. team than Carolina right uh, now. Yeah, it's it's close. It really Just is. Just because I they see don't play, noth- They don't play complimentary football. That would be my issue with them. This is And just hear me out for a second. You know, the, the big thing is with them is, okay, you're, you got all this explosiveness on offense, but your defense dies these slow deaths and keeps your offense on the sideline forever and ever. And we saw this in the Super Bowl. Right. Why not just make it a shootout? You're going to win shootouts. When the game's flying early, they do great. But then right. when the game hits a stalemate, the offense gets out of rhythm. And that's really one of the big things I took away from watching that film just a little while ago is some of the drives that, uh, I mean, especially the drive to score the touchdown in the fourth quarter by the Minnesota Vikings, 15 plays, 89 yards, yeah. eight minutes and 15 seconds. That was such a drive killer. Yes. We looked at each other and went, holy crap, that drive felt like it was two quarters long. It went long. forever. Alright, so I have a little bit right. of uh, self-scouting which yeah. I think we're the best in the business at being honest with ourselves. The best in the business. Diago Mendez again saying, you guys are hard on Atlanta and Seattle. Yeah. Sims really doesn't enjoy Seahawks people. Not saying you're wrong, but yeah. you're harder on them. Maybe higher expectations than everybody I else. I think that's what it is, because I really I mean, because we see what they have with yeah, Russell Wilson well, and Lefko. I mean, how much we rooted so hard for them in their Super Bowl run. I mean, Insanely trust me, hard. I was in here in this bleacher of our building, just crushed when the the and Patriots maybe that's beat it. them. Maybe we were Seahawks fans and we were Falcons fans last year. We did. We I, I get frustrated with this. I I get frustrated with both defenses because they don't do enough on defense, so they play the same defense all the time, and that frustrates me. I got frustrated with Seattle because I thought they had a chance to be a real dynasty, and I thought their mm. offense didn't do enough to help out Russell Wilson or make pass plays happen in the offense consistently. And then, yes, the defense, as it's gotten older and can't dominate like yeah. it did in the first Super Bowl and things like that, yeah, they got to change it up and do something different. Now, I'll give I'll give Seattle credit, and I have given them the credit. They've changed the way they play the last six yes. or seven weeks. They've made it a wide-open football game. Last said, Here night, you go, the Russell fact Wilson. that they started four wide open right. against the Eagles, I went, I've been asking for this all year, and you're going to do it to the team that I roof. For. Yes, Thanks a lot. But, it but is every week it. it's more and more. Because I, I think the thing that I've realized about us is the thing that we respect so much about the Patriots yeah. is their coaches are not just smarter, but they legitimately work harder than the other coaches. We like to work hard. Yeah. I, I tried to explain to my girlfriend last night. I said, I enjoy work. It's yeah. what I do in my free time. Right. Same thing as you. Right. So when we watch coaches with superior talent not develop the playbook, right. when you watch Sean McVay's team, the Rams right now, right. try and count the formations he uses. Look at the motion. Look at all the reads and how it changes from game to game. And then watch the Seahawks and realize that, man, I've seen this five times yeah. in the first half. We just... 
you and you especially appreciate guys that put in the work and challenge other coaches. Right. There's not a lot of coaches that do that, but typically Seattle has been on the end that doesn't change. They're with Green Bay and Atlanta. We just didn't think they'd have the inventory of offense, and I think Falcons fans in general were a little self-conscious about the amount of people saying they would have a hangover. Right. And we were part of the charge leading the way. All right. Last thing I'll say with this subject. I mean, you you made a lot of a lot of good points. I think the other thing that gets me with Seattle is just the fact that everybody thinks they're so great, right? Right. So that's really where I I probably do get emotional in trying to say, no, they're not that great, and I try to make the point that Russell Wilson's great and they have issues with their football team, and people don't want to believe that just because they see number three out there and they see 54 at middle linebacker, and they go, oh, these are the same old Seahawks. They're going to win the Super Bowl, right? No, there's 20 other positions on the field that aren't as good as those old days. So I guess that's where I get frustrated. I'm sorry to Seahawks fans if I come off that way. And the Falcons, I think a little the same way um yeah i just listen again i i I think people took me the wrong way just because they think i was personal because kyle shanahan left town and i was just jumping the ship on them right no i was trying to i'd really try to be honest with my football evaluation and i knew there would be a drop off with that offense and i also don't think matt ryan is nearly as good as an mvp level quarterback or any of those things i think matt ryan is one of the more overrated great quarterbacks of our time in my eyes and i and i still know he's awesome but i think that's the one thing that gets me at times saints rams yeah which team is more of a contender long term for this season gosh that's really tough there. While you think about that, Kamara is the third rookie with 600 rushing and receiving yards in the same season since Billy Sims and Charlie Taylor. Man, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, I watched that film. The things he does, the he's tackles incredible. he breaks are unreal. Guy on the Crossing broadcast, the other podcast, they did said he's a potential superstar. I said, guys, he's a superstar. Yeah, he's there. He's pretty uh, much but there. Better contender long term. <sighs> Who would you have more faith in? I, I guess I'm going to go with the Saints, but okay. barely. Um you know, I really do have faith in that Rams football team. Uh, they they put tremendous pressure on you in all three phases of the game constantly. Special teams, their defense. special teams are better than the Saints. Yes, they are. They have and a better kicker. Yes. They have a better punter. And I they mean, look, their better. offense wasn't great yesterday, but their defense got a pick six. Made Jacksonville another game, they returned touchdowns. Right, so yeah. they can win games other ways. But I guess I'm still going to go with the fact that the run game with the Saints and Sean Payton, Drew Brees. But that's a very close one. Uh, Rogers, Rogers could be coming back. Jay Glazer saying that on. Saturday, Aaron Rodgers completed a 65-yard Hail Mary in practice. Do you believe do you believe that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback I've ever is seen? Is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Do you think the Packers can keep this going for Aaron Rodgers for when he comes in to make a run to the playoffs? Well, they got Cleveland next. Yes. Now, they can lose to Cleveland. Like, this is a scary matchup for them because Green Bay can't throw the ball all that well, and Cleveland's got a good defense. They can slow you down. So that is scary. Now, if they can win— so if the Browns are scary, then Panthers, Vikings, Lions must be they're all They're all going to be scary, but the Packers are capable of playing close because they're, they're a detailed coach football team that plays complementary football. Right. So I look at it from that standpoint— but I don't expect them to beat Carolina or Minnesota or Detroit. And I think it's really risky 
with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I, I don't think Green Bay can win the Super Bowl no matter what this year. But Sims, he's come back from a collarbone injury before. Right, and they lost in the wild card game to the San Francisco 49ers, and he didn't play great. And it was his left collarbone. So let's remember that. That's a big difference than the moneymaker, the right arm. I'm not he, hearing people bring that up. I, you're right. I don't hear people either. And, I mean, he falls on that once again. You're, you're going to have troubles going into next season and going, oh, man, we're going to have to put more plates and screws into that shoulder your philosophy is you don't have a team that can win the super bowl so why bring back your quarterback and possibly risk it right if i'm a packers fan i'm going the time we won the super bowl we didn't have a team that could win the super bowl and he became aaron Rodgers and won it for us i, I he was amazing but that team was better i okay. mean I, I you know i'm gonna look it up real quick just to tell you but i'm pretty sure that defense that year was a top five defense to go along with it that was 2010 right so i'm looking it up real quick. They were the number five defense in football, and they were the number two scoring defense gotcha. in football. So, And this defense is not that good. No, they're not. They're not in that same that level. prime Charles Woodson. Right. They had young Char- Julius. They could no, run the ball a little bit at that time, too. So there was a different team altogether. The, to me, where it goes, oh, okay, great. Hey, Aaron Rodgers, you get back in. Hey, awesome. Hey, you're healthy? Oh, hey, here comes the Minnesota Vikings and Daniel Hunter around and the Everson edge. Have Griffin. fun with that. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're in the playoffs and you get to play the wild card game in Philadelphia, huh? Oh, have fun. I mean, whatever it may be, it's just too scary. They are not as good as the teams in the NFC playoffs. And you can't expect Rodgers to come back and be Aaron Rodgers that we saw before the injury. That's just yeah. not, that's too hard. It is going to be interesting to see what he does. If he comes back, the emotional lift will be there. But it's a tough stretch down the road to see if the Packers can make the playoffs if Rodgers makes a return. Uh, in that game, yeah. we were watching Jameis, and he had a classic Jameis fumble return for a touchdown. He had a few other fumbles in there, and you said Jameis Jameis's hands are a problem. Yes. And I, I had wheels look at hand sizes. Also, another thing that Jameis does funny, man, is there anything better than watching Jameis run five yards past the line of scrimmage and then throw a football? Gosh, it does seem like it happens uh, twice a year. He just blacks out. Right. And he's like looking around. He's like, I'll throw it now. Right. Um, Jameis, since 2015, mm-hmm. since he was drafted, has fumbled 26 times, yeah. tied for third most. His hand size, nine and three eighths. Right. The two guys ahead of him, Cousins fumbled 30 times. His hand size, nine and three eighths. Wow. Bortles, 30 fumbles since 2015. Definitely. Most among NFL quarterbacks, hand size, nine and three eighths. Damn, all the same. Yeah, that, I mean, the, you know, listen. Russell Wilson. I'll, I'll explain after. Russell Wilson's fumbled 24. He's 10 and a quarter. Right. Carson Wentz has fumbled 23 in just 28 games. His hand size is 10 inches. Right. Brady's had 18 fumbles in that size. His hand size is listed as huge. Yeah, it is. We don't have a number for well, him. Well, I, I know. I mean, I've shucked Brady's hands. Brady and Rodgers have tremendously big... Rodgers has fumbled 17 times, right. so much less than he's 10 and a quarter. Right. Now, Jared Goff has yeah. only fumbled nine. And his hand size is nine inches. So he's the outlier of the guy that hasn't fumbled, and he's got little baby hands. (laughs) He's got the little little baby hands. Right. What do you think? Well, I I do think there's correlation there. Uh, And, and, I mean, you look at, I think, the quarterback who's fumbled the most in their whole career is Dave Craig. He had tremendously small hands. used to play for the Seattle Seahawks, if anybody remembers him. Um, Yes, hand size is a real thing. Just like... 
I mean, just like in basketball. I mean, how many times did you got everybody out there see Michael Jordan like palm a ball in front of some guy's face and then go and just flick his wrist and hit a fadeaway J in their face? Well, when you have a big, big hand, it makes the object in your hand a little smaller. And of course, if anybody's throwing an NFL football and then you go throw a high school football, you go, damn, I could throw this high school ball farther and harder. Why? Because it's smaller and you can manipulate it with your hand and arm more. And big hand size allows you to make throws that other guys can't make. I mean, uh, keep this solo alive. But you ever see Jameis throw? He kind of he kind of does this, right, to come he around, does. right? He does like a little wheel. Right, because he can't just do this like a Brady or a Rodgers. Brady could be like moving the pocket and point somebody this way and then just throw it over there because he's got great control with his big hand, and that goes for Rodgers and it goes for Russell Wilson as well. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I remember, uh, remember Steve Francis. Sure. Steve Francis Definitely. couldn't palm the ball, Man. and it was a huge issue in the dunk contest. I it, Look, it's, hands are part of the skill set. It's very funny that we can have a belief that is size and speed and athleticism matters, and sometimes I feel like we're in the minority. I, I sometimes at quarterback I feel like that doesn't matter either. And I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, so there was one thing that I dropped the ball in. Yeah, I mentioned my left go locks. I went three and one, and uh, the one I got wrong, I I actually got right, and it's because I fumbled it. And here was my bet. For the Chargers. Are you not going to just blame me? I'm going the Browns. I'm going $10. It's 13 and a half. I know that I should bet on the Chargers. I don't know why, but I'm going the Browns. I just... All right, stop. Just be quiet. You're betting... Oh, my gosh. What are you doing this week? I don't know. You're going to lose this week for sure. Um, Josh Gordon. $300. Chargers. I mean, what the... What the hell... Okay, that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you were so confident in the Chargers, and I went with them as a left-go lock, and I just ate it. Uh, but the big story of this game is Josh Gordon. Uh, the only wide receiver other than Josh Gordon to go for other, over 85 against the Chargers this year was Odell Beckham, and Josh Gordon hadn't played in three years. Mm. How did he look after that? Uh, he looked pretty damn I mean, Gosh, that, that is so hard. I just don't know of... Anybody can quantify it. I, I mean, listen, I know I'm not Josh Gordon, but, man, I missed three weeks of practice. I felt weird on the first day back of practice, let alone three years, and just come out and dominate an NFL game outside at the wide receiver position. He's a freak of nature. You know, you and I have talked about this a lot. He is just one of those guys, uh, like, a, like a Fletcher Cox when you see him in person or a Brandon Marshall or whoever it may be, where you just go – the first time you see him in person, you just go, holy shit, that's a wide receiver in the NFL that can run like that? That doesn't even seem fair. And that's the way I felt the first time I saw him at Cleveland practice a few years ago. And he looked good on Sunday. He did. I mean, I don't think his explosion was totally back. Well, you did say that. Yeah, but it's it was good enough to get open, that's he for sure. He was still the best wide receiver on the field, not named Keenan Allen. Yeah, you're exactly right. He was. Uh, Chargers going to win the AFC West? You I feel think confident so. About yeah, it? I do. I think they're the only team really playing all-around quality football. Raiders are... I'll say this. They have talent. They have talent. John Pagano, is, they're doing a few different things on defense. And the Marshawn other, Lynch look rested somehow. They're running. They're running. I don't give a shit about the yards, but the attempts are crucial for the Raiders. The defense is not good enough no. to stop people. So they need to run the ball to eat up the clock and give them a little rest and things like that. Uh, that'll be very important. It's something I'll watch on is that stat. The Chargers, Chargers have been a great team. There are certain players, though, that don't just raise the bar, Sims. <laughs> no. They they, they are, are the bar. bar. 
Oh, yeah. Forward in your face. Uh, who was your guy that raised the bar this past week? Man, he didn't just raise the bar. He was the bar. He's Texas tough, and that's Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, first of all, is quite simply one of the best pass rushers in all of football. And the amount of times that he was around Kirk Cousins in the last Thursday night's game, pressuring him, making him run out of the pocket, yes, he got two sacks, but there's no stat also for just messing a play up, busting into the backfield and screwing up a run play or making Kirk Cousins get out of the pocket and do that. Demarcus Lawrence, week in and week out, is the best defensive player for the Dallas Cowboys. Has had a phenomenal year leading the NFL at sacks, and it's about time we give him some credit. He's unbelievable. He is. And my guy, he's been my guy for a long time. You just said he could be the MVP. Yeah, he is. And what I saw out of him was unbelievable. Russell Wilson didn't just raise the bar. He was the bar against the number one defense in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Russell Wilson has not lost a regular season game to a team with 10 or more wins. Before this, he was 3-0, and he's won each game by at least 29 points. He's now 4-0. What he did against the Philadelphia Eagles was um, astounding. He had Brandon Graham on skates. He was doing it all by himself, lobbing it in completely unfocused, and there is no player right now in the NFL that is asked to do more and actually delivers. Yes. And Russell Wilson, he didn't just raise the bar. He was the bar on Sunday. Uh, another uh, last th- I mean, Yeah, go for it. The best defense in football is Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. That you was guys dumb. are really good. That was dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. <clears throat> One last thing I want to do. Uh, let me do Jacksonville really quick. Leonard Fournette tweeted out, hey, to all the people that are in fantasy right now that are telling me that I need more points, I'm facing 11-man boxes. I'm not Hercules. Gosh. You've <clears throat> been saying that all season. It's it's brutal. It is that really an insult is. to the quarterback that well, he said that? Of course it is. He's trying to defend himself. But, I mean, yes. I mean, it, it's the uh, – again, I, I, I don't want to sit here and just bag on Blake Bortles. I'm actually starting to feel guilty about this. I have a statistic for you. Yeah. The Jaguars are top five right now right. in point differential, mm-hmm. turnover differential, yard differential, and sack differential. Right. Do you know the last team to do that? No. The 2007 Patriots, mm. arguably one of the greatest teams of all time, yep. and the Jaguars are doing exactly the same. Incredible. With, without a quarterback. Without a quarterback. That's what's amazing. Speaking of quarterbacks, I just want to end on something that happened on Thanksgiving. Kirk Cousins went out there, didn't play his best game, uh, and then afterwards, Steve Smith and Marshall Falk uh, right. kind of came after him. Uh, well, you're not talking about Thanksgiving. Last week. Oh, yeah. Cowboys. No, excuse me. Redskins. That was a Thursday after Thanksgiving. Excuse me. Thursday yes. after Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, Marshall Falk saying there was blood in the water. The Cowboys were a wounded team coming in. As a quarterback, you got to shred that defense. When those things are happening, you go to your receivers. You don't shake them. You pat them and let them know that you have confidence. Talking about Jamison Crowder dropping a ball and then getting turned over, and then Jamison Crowder later fumbling a punt. I never saw him go to his wide receivers and give them a vote of confidence. And then Steve Smith saying, Steve Smith said, based on what Falk's saying, you want that leadership. That probably cost him between ten and twenty million dollars off that contract. Ridiculous. I, I didn't see any of that. Well, first of all, let, let's just dispel that whole bull crap, all right? You I mean, first of all, confidence. did they watch Kirk Cousins under duress the whole night? All he did was run around and make throws off of his back foot the whole night. Now, he threw two, two interceptions. One when the game was over. The other one could have been caught by or should have been caught by Jamison Crowder. Did he really need so, – so, so what they're telling me is if he came off the sideline and said, hey, Jamison, keep your head up. 
20 million, here you go. 20 million. Oh, he's a leader. I mean, do you, that's just some like honky media bullcrap right there. And I have a lot of respect for Steve Smith. I don't understand the take of uh, him and Marshall Falk with that. And what shows a player more confidence in the fact that he came back the next drive and threw him balls? Right. That would be the number one indicator that, hey, it's no big deal. And how about Kirk Cousins might know the guys on his team a little bit and maybe knows the guys he needs to say that to and not say that to. So I'd like to go back and I just look don't understand at what it. they said about Kirk Cousins when he went into Seattle and led that game-winning drive. I just, so all that just evaporates because they lost to a Dallas team. That and The thing I don't understand is how can NFL players who won as a Hall of Famer and Steve Smith, you know, you can make a case down the road that yeah, there's a chance, right. that they it's a matchup league. You know, there's just never any credence given to the defense making plays or the game plan or the fact that Jordan Reed is hurt. And was he, several... Well, that's what I want to say. What did he say? What did they say? Dallas was wounded? Have yes. they seen the Redskins injury report? Redskins have started more offensive line combinations than any team in football. So that's just erroneous. Erroneous on all accounts. Erroneous on all accounts. Yeah, I just I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was a low blow. Uh, I just think it was like prisoner of the moment reacting right after the game. It's a hard thing to do, but it is what it is. Guys, that was a lot of fun. We got to a lot of stuff right there. Ben McAdoo is officially done. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko, or Instagram, at Sims and Lefko. I want to know your opinions because I'm very, very curious. Coming up next, we have an interview with Brandon Cooks. Who are you taking tonight? uh, I am taking the Steelers to win by three. I took the Steelers to win by ten, so I have the Steelers covering the spread, 27-17. Wow. I think AJ Green goes off. Yeah. Uh, I am sweaty on my pits. Uh, again, Brandon Cooks is coming up next. Uh, and then join us. We're going to have episode 143 a little bit later this week. And then the pick show where I'm going to celebrate like an absolute Damn, I guess superstar. I'm losing by more again. I don't know. I don't know. I, just I know gotta I be. I only, the only big game I won was New England. For Sims. Peace out, homies. Hendrick would say good evening in the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Says good night. Holler at you later. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the games. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now we have something special for you. His name, Brandon Cooks, the big baller shot caller for the New England Patriots, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and he joins us on behalf of new Old Spice Invisible Spray, delivering 48-hour protection. So you, you put it on, and you smell good for two days, and your girlfriend won't get upset with a dry spray that doesn't leave white marks on your skin or T-shirt. Find out more at OldSpice.com. Brandon, I know you've hung out before with my compadre, Stephen Nelson, at Bleacher Report. We did a story on you, and every time you catch a ball on Sunday at Bleacher Report, we all yell, Go Beavs every Sunday. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. Dude, when you were coming out in the draft, we loved you. Steven Nelson obviously loves you. Um, and it, it was cool for us to see you go to New Orleans because uh, it was a good offense. And then you go to another good offense. Uh, what has this year been like for you? What has it been like getting used to it and then having all the success? You know, a lot of you know different cha- changes, but uh, a blessing that's for sure. Um, you know, just getting here in this organization, getting used to it. Um, you know, getting to know the guys and getting to know really the city and everything that's uh, that has to do with the Patriots has been it's been a great it's been a great transition, that's for sure. When you look at it, you're catching balls from Drew Brees and Tom Brady. That's a hell of a way to start a career, man. Oh, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm fortunate in that aspect. 
What is what is the difference? So, like, the guy I do the podcast with, Sims, he's a lefty, and he always has wide receivers complain about the spin of his ball. What is a Brady ball? What's a Breeze ball? Uh, you know, I, I typically don't compare the two. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can say is they're both great quarterbacks. Uh, they both do their job really well, and for me to be able to play with both of them has it, been a blessing. So uh, I'll, I'll pretty much leave it at that. Yeah, you. It's not good to compare them, huh? One of them might get jealous. No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. I just I'm focused on in the moment and, and who I'm with now. Uh, I don't I don't try to think about what what happened before. I got you. Well, can you do me one favor? Because we are the players' podcast, and we actually like to break down X's and O's. That's why Sims is at home watching film right now. <laughs> we the, two of our favorite offenses in the NFL is the Patriots offense and the New Orleans offense because Sean Payton and Josh McDaniels, we believe, are two of the three best offensive minds in the league. And I'm just curious, for a wide receiver, what are the different responsibilities? Uh, as far as different responsibility, I mean, you just or what's the style? Like, what is what? What is the, the like? What are you guys doing now? What message do you try and send with your offense now? No, well, you know, as a receiver in this offense, uh, there's a lot. I mean, you got to be able to run routes, you got to be able to catch, you got to be able to block, you got to be able to do all those things that are, that are expected. The offense out. As far as one thing jumping off, you know, they just try to paint the picture in a complete form um, around here. So I think they do a good job about it. The What you got going on there, I saw you posted on Instagram recently. If you want to be a lion, surround yourself with one. And it was a picture with Brady. Everything that Nelson's told me, everything that I can hear in your voice, you are someone that can live in the present, which not a lot of human beings are capable of. And that focus, I'm sure, has been a huge part of your success. Brady, I mean, that's all we hear about. So what is it like to have a, a quarterback to share that mindset with? I think it's it's great and it's awesome. Um, you see, you know, you look at him and a guy that's been playing a game for so long. You, you respect him and you see how much he pays attention to the little details, whether it's from his body, whether it's from what he eats, whether it's on how he studies film. Um, you know, you learn from that from that standpoint, and you just try to grow and become that as well. Um, so he's a great example of that, and I just try to uh, follow in that direction. What did you expect New England was going to be like before you got there? You know, uh, I don't. Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't have. A, I don't have an answer. That. I don't think I. Really, you know, I, yeah, I, I can't answer that one. Yeah. Um, all right. So I also saw that you posted recently. You saw Hamilton, uh, game changer. How was it? Game changer. Game changer. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to go see it. Uh, it was a great play. It was a special play. So I've never seen it, and yet everyone I talk to, that's for sure. I live in New York, and I haven't seen it. And everyone that's seen it is like, it's it'll change your life. Why do people <laughs> tell me that? Yeah, no, it, it, it was really good. It was, it was really good. That's that's not a great sales pitch, Brandon. I needed more. I needed more like the music and the the singing. It was incredible. <laughs> okay. It was awesome. That's the I mean, everything from top to bottom. I mean. Oh, it was it was one of those plays that if you, like I said, you have to go see it, and people are right; it will change your life. Um, so you were someone that made the arrow shoot very famous. What you were doing down there, uh, and then all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. 
And I know that Josh Norman was uh, complaining publicly, and he was doing it as well. Uh, I always thought your arrow was better. You've changed that up now into kind of jamming the arrows into the ground. Uh, do you miss it at all? Is there a small party that misses the shooting the arrow? Yeah, it's a small part that does, and the reason behind that is just really because of what it stood for for me. Just another way of glorifying God uh, and you know, just thanking him for the gift that he's given me. So that's the reason why I miss it. I don't miss it because it brings attention to me. I miss it because of uh, really what it stood for and what it meant to me. But at the end of the day, there's always a the way to make it uh, still um, you know, relevant and still have the same meaning, just in a different aspect. You guys have played a number of good defenses this year, and I'm just curious which one stood out to you. Panthers were, I mean, you guys put up 30 on them, but their defense is really, really good. The Jets' defense is good. The Falcons' defense is fast. The Chargers, we're now seeing what they're capable of. Who were some guys that you faced this year that impressed you? Uh, you know, like you just named a lot of them. I mean, every every week we go into a game uh, the is good. Uh, and we understand that we're going to get everyone's best. So as far as point, pinpointing the one, um, I really can't uh, you know, do that because they're all uh, good in their own ways. I know that as a football player, your coach is everything. You know, he's a leader. And you're playing for not arguably the greatest coach of all time. Um, when he talks, what do you sense in the other men in the room? Um, I think we're alert. And we let it all soak in just because it's a guy that's been coaching for a really, really long time. But usually he has a lot of the answers. Um, and, you know, you respect your coach in that, in that form. And, you know, we're just thankful to have him, that's for sure. Um, you know, and, and it's a blessing to have him as our head coach. And, you know, we just listen without really talking. Was there a guy, is there a guy in the league right now that you actually looked up to when you were coming up as a wide receiver? No, no. Who who kind of set the path for you, or has it all been just kind of mental strength for you? No, I mean, Steve Smith was a guy that mm. I loved watching growing up. Uh, got a lot of respect for him, spent time with him. So uh, that's a guy that, you know, I definitely respect, and um, he's taught me a lot through our time being spent together. All right, so I have a debate, and you're probably not going to weigh on in it. Weigh in on it. Uh, I had a debate with Sims. I was saying Antonio Brown. He was saying Julio Jones. Between those two, what do you like about each? Because I know you're not going to pick one. I mean, both. I mean, it's different players. Yeah, Who completely. I mean, talking about a guy that's playing this game at such a high level at that stature, um, uh, probably never seen something like that before. And AB, he's just doing things that. You haven't seen before either at a uh, at a uh, typically at a height that most people will say you can't be a dynamic receiver uh, at that size, but he's definitely doing that and setting the the path for a lot of guys that are. So Sims worked uh, in New England for a season, and he, as many people have talked about, Gronk is a lot smarter than people realize. Have you noticed that as well? Uh. Oh, I would have to say, what What do you mean? And when you realize the guy is smart. Uh, well, it's because <laughs> you know you know how the public works and how fans yeah. are. We see like the occasional doses of partying, but from a football oh. perspective, he's apparently he's all over it. Yes, he's really smart. A guy that's been in this offense and he gets it, um, and you know he comes in and works hard week in week out. 
I noticed on one of your posts you said that you love Boston. You're falling in love with Boston. Uh, you went through a change. Does this feel like one that could be a long-term relationship for Brandon Cooks? We, um, I mean, that's my hope. It's a special place. The atmosphere is great. The fans are amazing. Uh, the history of Boston is great. The restaurants, I mean, there's a lot of great things that uh, that goes on around here. And as a player and as someone that's living here now, um, you know, you, you typically, I mean, in my, in my, in my standpoint, I hope to make it a long-term thing because it's so uh, such an amazing place. Awesome. Well, Brandon, you're kicking ass. We're proud of you, dude. Stay healthy. And again, Old Spice, yes, get it. Invisible spray, 48-hour <laughs> protection. Do you have anything to add about Old Spice, Brandon? No, I mean, like you said, I think you you hit the message. Um, it's, a, it's a great product, that's for sure. I've been using it for a long time. Now that they have this invisible spray that you can put on pretty quick, uh, you know, it's great. Awesome. Brandon Cooks joining the Sims and Lefko podcast. My man, continue to do your thing. We'll keep watching. Thank you very much. Have a good one. All right, man. You too.